Hello, everybody. Welcome to the 80th episode of The Manor Podcast. I'm your co-host, Roger Bodie, joined as always with my best friend and other co-host, Michael Hamilton. Michael, what's up? Uh, we're going to play Hartford in like, I guess, two days after this goes up. So that's exciting. Ready to play some heavy hitters sealed. That's good. I guess yeah. technically I should have just asked you sup. That's that's what sup. all the cool kids are saying these days is sup. Nothing, not, nothing much. Okay, yeah, that's good. Is that a good response to sup? Uh, you have to ask Austin. That's what he's asking me now. I say hi, Austin. He goes hi, Dada. Sup? <laughs> oh. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, not much, buddy. What are you up to? And he's like, ah, he doesn't have good responses to that one yet. But he's he's getting there. He's moving. He's getting along. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. He's got wabu down. He's 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 a rooting and tooting talking baby now. He's adorable. Mm-hmm. So that's why I had to ask you, sup or what's up? That's what the kids are saying. Sup, I get yeah, it. Yeah, they're all the cool it. kids, the the coolest, <laughs> hippest kids around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I'm excited to play in Hartford. I feel good about this limited format. Uh, we've been doing lots of drafts and battling sealed pools and the first sealed pool I sat down to build, I was like, oh my God, I have no clue what's going on in this format. There's so many decisions. I don't know what's good. And now when I sit down to build, build a sealed pool, I'm like, ah, hmm, I see. Clearly this is the best deck. I think these two other decks have merit, but due to these X, Y, and Z reasons, <laughs> I believe this is the clear choice of this pool. So the practice is paying off, I think. Yeah. I uh I don't know if I feel that confident, but I usually look at my pool and whichever one has the most three blocks, I'm like, I'm probably playing that hero, but I'm going to look at some other stuff too. Yeah. Then they announced uh, Michael Fong and Brody Spurlock are doing casting. So the odds of you and I winning the tournament shut up by like 10% each. If you say so. <laughs> <laughs> well, like 10% from whatever our chance was or like just plus 10% of our, like the chance of the tournament, whatever it was, like say it was 2% before it announced 12%. Yeah, yeah, that one. That one? Mm-hmm. Okay. That seems unlikely, but... Yeah, we were like 80% to like win the tournament before. Now that they're not playing, we're like 90%. Uh... The last tournament was the finals between the two of us, so I assume the next tournament will be the finals between the two of us again, and then then it's 100% between the two of and the, unless we re- reach a game that is a forced draw. I wonder what would happen if that happened in like the finals. I don't know what the ruling is. I'd assume they'd have to replay the whole game. That'd be crazy. Because those can happen, by the way, in, in the format. Because let's say you're playing a warrior mirror and you have an effect that creates a vigor token and then you have forced to block with your last card in your deck. So you have no cards in your deck. Uh, but you have this vigor token that pops on your turn. And your opponent only has one card left in their deck and they're at two life. With your one resource, you can swing your Centauri Saber and your opponent either has to take the damage and die or block with their last card. And if they block with their last card and don't have a bigger token, then they have no game actions they can take anymore, no cards in deck. And then you have no game actions that can take anymore, no cards in deck. And I almost had that happen to me in a game. Like, it came down to, like, the exact last card in my deck. Mm -hmm. And if my opponent had a bigger token, the game would have been a forced draw. And I just thought it was, like, the wildest thing. This format's sick. Format is very good. Uh, I guess that that there was a format outsiders that had a lot of potential for force draws with like rangers that don't have weapons. I don't know what happens. I know in Swiss, if you draw, you just it's just a draw, but an elimination. Yeah. Well, let's not find you out. Probably replay the match. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> in the finals, just one of us will just have a nice, clean victory. So, sounds like a plan. Okay. But right now we're ranking all the CC heroes, right? That's the plan? Yeah. Yeah. We saw there was, there's, there's a lot of tier lists out in the world, and we didn't agree with the ones out there, so we made our own. Yeah. People have some uh, opinions out there, that's for sure. Uh, so I think some some heroes, I think people have a pretty good assessment on, but some people are just wilding out with like, they just forgot. Like they think heavy hitter somehow changes things on a fundamental level for like heroes that it doesn't even impact. So I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. Ready to talk right. about it? Yeah, let's talk about it. Where do you want let's to start? start? Let's start right at the bottom with Teklovasan. Everybody, this is where, this is the consensus. Everybody knows there's no reason to play him. You are like, oh, my Teklovasan deck could beat up Bolton. I have all these non-attack actions. How could you <laughs> win, Roger? And it was the easiest game of Flesh and Blood I had played in the age. Like, it was ended like 22 to like nothing. I had like 30 cards still in my deck post combo. It was not, it was the least close game of Flesh and Blood I've ever played in my whole life. So, yeah. Uh to be fair, that was a first draft Teclo deck against mm. the Bolton Experts <laughs> Bolton deck. I do not know what I'm doing with Teclo Boston, and he is not the last hero on my list. Oh, yeah? Who is? That special slot was given to Riptide. He's gotten all these specializations, Michael. <laughs> yes, he can't yes. be the worst. He's gotten so many so- supplemental card slots, you know? Riptide's really weird because there are matchups that he's actually like reasonably favored into against decks yeah. that I would consider real. None of the S tier decks, but some of the like, in my opinion, some of the A and B tier decks are like actually matchups that Riptide could win. But like, there's just so many matchups that if you're playing Riptide and your opponent's playing this hero, you just you just quit. You go home. You're dead. <laughs> and because of that, I put him at the bottom. I guess Teclo, maybe that's all his opponent, so maybe Teclo deserves the bottom slot. Yeah, I would say, but, I, what's a good Teclo matchup? I do know there was a Teclo that was 4-0 at, the, at Worlds, so that's it's got to mean something. I died in draft. Hold on. We're going to the most definitive results you can get. What is Teclo Vossen's good matchup on February? Uh, overall, <laughs> he has the lowest win rate percentage overall uh, at 39%. Looks like he is crushing Riptide as his best matchup at 56%. Oh, there we go. The head-to-head. <laughs> That's why Riptide's at the bottom. Can't beat Teclo Boss. <laughs> Can't so, beat Teclo Boss. If, if you want to play Mech or you want to play Ranger, there's better heroes legal of the same class. You can't really play the same style with like all the traps that Riptide does. You can't really build a big Mech, though. Slab Dash kind of is like a little bit defensive, but you just really shouldn't play these heroes if you're trying to win. And that's the same for all the heroes in our bottom tier. He has a 33% win rate into Kano. He doesn't have AB. I don't know. How do you ever beat? It's about 32% higher than I'd expect it to be. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, well, you know what? That's, that's, that's for those Kano's and those Teclovasans to know. We can't know about that secret sauce. Yep. Okay. Where's your, where do you have Riptide on yours? Here's the fourth worst hero in the game. Okay. Then who's second first for you? Olympia. Ah, that's reasonable. Poor Olympia, like he has his whole ability is like if you if you win a wage, you get an effect. I think the only playable wage cards in the game are specializations. That's not true. Or equipment. 
That's his I think the, I think the one for three, the one for three warrior pumps up block three. I think those can see some. some you play. think they're constructed playable? I think so. Mm-mm. I think in the right decks. I think with like a great X build, because so like you wager, you like tunic, play that wager. You have a uh, seven wagered great X. Like what is your opponent doing? Especially with the Vigor tokens, and then you have the Vigor token for the next turn going into to play your next one for three for free, and you kind of cycle it like that. Yeah. That's kind of like a, a little cute deck I've been brooding up on in like something that I'm working on. I, I'm not saying it's amazing, but like their three block non attack actions, their floor is very high. But that's fair. That's that's a reasonable take. I think they're generally worse than like Warriors Dollar because if your opponent blocks them out, the the, the opponent gets something. But sure, Warriors Dollar, you're also like kind of forced to like keep something to do afterwards and if they block it out you don't get to use that other thing so yeah that, that's a fair take i could see the one cost wager cards that block three being fine yeah i'm not saying it'll be like tier one or anything like that but i think like you could make a playable armory deck at the very least maybe even like do well in a battle harden uh with like those cards in your deck so i put him at fourth from the bottom uh i think war is riptide war has got a lot of a lot of good cards in the set and his specialization is very good one of the warriors big issues is that all their blues suck and him having a blue specialization that you're pretty happy to cast it's pitch a blue and play it and you get plus three and the three tokens plus you trigger your hero ability that's it's really strong um unless they sink below it but what can you do it's a blue three block that is a blue that you're happy to play so i think i could see a reason to play him over another warrior but i wouldn't suggest it <laughs> Yeah, and that's also kind of why I'm so low is because I, I think he might even be better than like Riptide, like fundamentally, or like about maybe even a couple other heroes down here, uh, just because the Warrior card pool it is good. Like the Warrior has good cards now. They have really good equipment. There's a lot of things to like proactive between great X builds and all kinds of different things you can be doing now uh, with Valley Dynamo. People are figuring it out and finally seeing the the glorious light that is uh warrior class but Mm -hmm. if you're going to go and indulge yourself in some fancy warrior he is the last choice to do so i think and it's and i don't think it's particularly close so uh, for that reason like if if even if he has a strong card pool overall there's still no reason fundamentally to pick this hero when there's three other options available to you yep i agree with that that's also why my next hero, Betsy. Hell yeah, dude, that's where I'm at. Yeah. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> Betsy has all the Guardian cards. The Guardian cards are pretty good. There's a lot of good Guardian cards. But like, why would you play her over Bravo or Victor? There's just not a reason. You just wouldn't. Overpower is not a classic constructed powered like keyword. Sink below will always be one of the most prominent cards in Classic Constructed. And for, that would be wild, dude. Could you imagine if they banned like Sink Below and Fate for Scene in Classic Constructed? That would be that was that would basically be what it would take to maybe make overpower playable. But even then, there's still other defense reactions that you could turn to. I think as long as defense reactions as a concept like exist, overpower is gonna be not the best. Yeah, I do think that if they make a card that's like just like at rate and then says overpower on it and it has like a hit effect, it'll probably be fine. But like a card that's like below rate, which Betsy's hero power is below rate, you're spending two resources for one damage and overpower, it's going to be really hard for overpower to be good enough because it's just very easily blocked out and 
it's just basically a reasonably worse version of dominate i'm trying to think if they printed like command and conquer with uh overpower that card would be very good still mm-hmm. or they got rid of like the defense reaction part but it was just like command and conquer like two for six overpower on hit destroy arsenal that card would still probably see play especially if it blocked with three so i guess that's a fair point yeah i mean command and conquer would probably still see play even if it didn't have the defense reaction text on it. it'd be a lot worse but even with no other text it'd probably still see some play yeah that's fair so. okay fair enough but i'm glad we're on the same page generally about the worst four heroes in the game yeah you know we we, we know pretty much at a baseline you really should not be playing these heroes if you're trying to win if your if goal is to win. win you should be playing if you want to play this class and your goal is to win there are better options yes and if your goal is to have fun at your local armory and be the riptide guy power to you buddy i'm happy for yeah. you i hope you enjoy yourself so is that everyone in your d tier no i have four more heroes in my d tier. four more okay i have one more but uh up next i have poor old arachne Okay. Speaking of heroes of why you would ever play this one when there are better options available still. Uh, Talk to me about Arachne. I tried. I I played maybe 10 games of new Arachne on Talishar with his uh, new specialization. And turns out putting three of a card doesn't fix your hero's fundamental problem of not having good turn cycles and just being awkward to play a lot of the time because if you're playing super defensively with all these defense reactions like you're just like fatigue arachne or whatever you don't have the same level of meaningful disruption that a deck like bravo or the guardians have at the same time you have your leave no witnesses card sure but like that's really all you have and then if you're trying to play an aggressive version you're just worse usury still so i just don't really see where he fits i do think though for the fatigue version the new uh, dagger that you can rebuy once you get two silver and actually swing for two damage on your dagger, that's a big upgrade. That, mm-hmm. I think, is is pretty is pretty good for him if you're looking to play this strategy. I just think that strategy is still not very good overall, and I don't think it's healthy if that strategy is like better than it is right now. I think Arachne, they need to figure out a way to make, make him more proactively powerful and punishing, without him trying to be like this, well, I'm always getting a card for you no matter what, trying to fatigue style deck, I guess. Yeah. So Arachne is a hero that I haven't actually played a game with since Codex of Frailty came out. So because if I was going to play Assassin, I just played Uzuri. But with this new Majestic, I thought the new Majestic specialization and the dagger, I'm like, there's enough that I could see Arachne potentially being, potentially being a real thing. And there are there is a real reason to choose them over Uzuri now because you have this good blue three block that you're happy with and Uzuri does not have any blue three blocks that she's happy to play she can play the blue stealth cards blue isolated okay so there's one but yeah not not really so or there's not very many options so I I put Arachne at the very bottom of C tier barely squeaked out a D tier just not too far off yeah and then the next one's gonna be my first hot take this is gonna be controversial putting him all the way down here continuing the theme this is a theme for all my bottom tier heroes except for the next two but this this hero continues the theme of why play this hero when there are better options in this class and it's right it's (laughs) right okay like 
he intimidates just not good. It's not a functional keyword into half the decks in the metagame. And sure, he has some numbers still, but his numbers will always be worse than KO's because KO's getting like actual rewards and these these might tokens for doing the thing. And KO is able to pull off like the Berserk combo in super consistent ways that Reiner just doesn't have access to because his hero ability is not like making his whole brute thing more consistent. So he doesn't. So KO got access to like 20 new blue six powered cards. Reiner got access to a specialization. And <laughs> it's like, okay, people can be hyped for brute now. Sure, the brute got a lot of cards. But I still don't see a fundamental reason to play Reinar when Ko and Leviah exist. Yeah, Reinar's actually in the middle of my C tier, which is not much higher than you have him. I actually just agree with what you said. He got the new specialization, which is like an, it is an upgrade. It's a good card, and then send packing is also an upgrade. But send packing you can just play in the other two brutes if you want it. I think. Unless you're in a world where you're playing against a bunch of decks that just want to block you out, like a bunch of Bravo, a bunch of, uh, I don't even know what other decks would want to block you out, like Slabdash. Victor now. Yeah, Victor. A bunch of Guardian and Slabdash and... Arachne is taking over the meta. Yeah. yeah. Riptide. (laughs) (laughs) Then maybe you could sell me on Intimidate. But in this world where most heroes are like, no, on hit, sweet, no blocks. (laughs) Reiner's oh man, good. you presented 15 damage? Sweet. Here's my 30 tur- damage turn. Oh, good yeah. game. Thank you. Okay. Uh, better yeah. luck next round. Hope you get your 15 damage peak ceiling turn again. And even ignoring the KO being able to play a bunch more blues that count as sixes, even ignoring that, I think just the when you discard a six power thing, getting a might token is enough better than getting your intimidate that it's worth giving up a claw for that. Yeah. It's worth giving it the second claw. Yeah. And KO can beat Reiner with, with one hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I think that this is kind of jumping around a little bit. K, KO is quite good, and there's going to be many different ways you can build him. And Reiner has a lot of ways you can build him, and they're all probably just worse than taking the same 80 soak, 80 cards and slamming him into KO. Yeah, exactly. So, so D tier. <laughs> and then <laughs> rounding out D tier are the, are the room blades. So sorry, Zach. Uh, Vincent and Viserai, I just lumped the two together because I don't see a meaningful difference between the two. It's I think it's the one instance of the game where the talent doesn't meaningfully change just the fundamental power level of this class at the moment. Where I don't... Just, they're just so lost, I feel like, at the moment. like They're just damage decks that are split damage that can't compete with the rest of the format i feel like anymore especially without rosetta thorn anymore it was crazy how much rosetta thorn is carrying that class yeah rosetta thorn was really good um mob shrill rosetta thorn was like a three card 12 or something if the if the mob didn't hit yeah which was great the same the same line with reaping blade is 11 which is still like not bad but Losing, losing a damage on your best turns and lo- losing a damage on all your turns, basically, because all your turns you're trying to swing those at a thorn. It was... And losing that split damage. It's not just the damage. It's losing the the two arcane damage and making it three strict physical, which is worse. Yeah, it, it, it is worse. It's not significantly so, sure. but it is worse. Yeah. Um, But 
yeah, I, I have Vincent as my last hero in D tier. I think Viscera is a little bit better, but not a lot. Viscera is just up in actually the top of my C tier, but my C tier is also kind of small. It's top of C tier. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, all the rest of my C tier is in your D tier. So. That's fair. Yeah. Okay. But is that it for your D tier? That's it. We finally made it out of my D tier, baby. Okay. Well, I guess I have three more heroes that are in my C tier that aren't in your D tier. Okay. So the last, the bottom of my C tier, right above Arachne, we got Prism. This hero is still struggling. She got uh, a cool new weapon. It's definitely better than our old weapons, but how do you beat a popper? How do you beat a rake the embers? Same problem she had before. Just she's I think she is better into the decks with no poppers. So if there's a bunch of decks playing no poppers, if everyone's like illusionists are dead, I'm cutting all my poppers, then maybe Prism can come beat up the aggro decks. But or if Kano takes over the meta. If Kano somehow becomes S tier default best deck, then it's time to bust out the prisms. Yeah. Yeah. Though even if Kano is the best deck, I don't think that much of the field will play Kano just because he's so weird and so much not what Flesh and Blood is really normally about. And people, yeah. I don't know. It, but in that wheel, if that weird world ever came to exist, Prism is there to keep that nasty Kano in check. Yeah. There, there's also several other heroes that are quite good into Kano, but. And, sure. I have her at top of C. Okay. Uh, I ever is the best C tier hero just because I think she does beat up the non popper decks super well now. Like she has a pretty fast clock of just going Harold, 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 Harold. Uh, like, like that's just like 14 damage. She's just swinging out plus getting these like cards out of her deck, the, the figments and then turning those into angels. Like her engine is now like there and fundamentally good and powerful. Mm-hmm. I feel like as long as your opponent never has a six powered card or on more turns than not will not have a six powered card. I think if your opponent on average can draw one six, like one popper per turn, she becomes unplayable still. But as long as your opponent can't do that, her damage and her game plan that she sets up is, is very powerful. I think, I don't know if you played into new prism or not yet, but she's, she's when, if you're not popping her, she's real. Sure. Sure played one game into her so <laughs> i'm an expert now okay my bottom of c tier is max speaking of still heroes if you're playing this class why not play something else max Ma- max is there for me right above prism i think that he does some cool things but yeah, it's in the mech just he does what yeah. i thought he would do he got in the mech it's just not not good enough right now. And then with Brutes being all around, if Max is ever a real thing, they just play some arc smashes and your mech gets blown up. And what do you do? Or the new uh, the new draw discard if you discard a six kill an item. Max can't beat any of that. Or the uh, what was the one that your opponent sacrifices an item? The royal headpiece thing that these people used to play in Icelander. Against Icelander, you mean? yeah. What's or the one the that your opponent? Yeah, the Warhorn, Imperial Warhorn. Yeah, that gets them real good. If, you're, if yeah. your Bravo deck ever wants to beat... Because I, w- I was about to say, like he's really good into Bravo, or it's like some of the slower decks sometimes. Kind of like... Uh, like He's like a worse version of Lumen Ascension combo, is basically how I feel. Where he can do this really powerful combo thing if given space to set it up, and it can beat some slower setup-based decks, or mm-hmm. like slower grindy value decks. But then I was like, oh yeah, if this ever became like a real percentage of the metagame, Imperial Warhorn shuts him down immediately. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, when he gets in the mech, it is very strong. It's usually enough to win the game if you can get in the mech. 
The problem is when you're not getting in the mech, your cards aren't very good and you have to keep refreshing your hyperdrivers to keep the mech like available. Mm-hmm. So the way that they work is you spend two resources resources and an action point for a hyperdriver on two counters. So you're just going like minus one. If you if you lump action points and resources as the same value, you're just going minus one every time you do that. Because if you crank it, you get one resource and one action point at the cost of two resources and an action point. Or if you don't crank it, then you lose your action point and you float your two resources, basically. And there's not enough other stuff to do with your hyperdrivers for them to not just be horrible value if you're not just getting in the mech immediately. And you can't play like D-Reacts and uh, Reinforce Line and that kind of stuff to try to survive until you get into your mech. Your armor kind of sucks until you get into your mech. And you can't play those non-mechanologist cards because then you'll boost one and then you'll lose your turn and you won't be able to (laughs) make a hyperdriver, which you have to do to keep the mech open. So I think Max just is in a rough spot. He's just a couple like good hyperdriver payoffs away from being very good, I think. But for now, he's just, if you're not mechan, you're losing horribly and that's going to happen a decent amount in a tournament. Yeah, for sure. Also, you can't play Arcane Barrier very well. Like once you get in the mech, you lose it all. Yeah. Do you have any other heroes left in C tier now? I have one left. Go for it. Uh, it is Victor. Victor also does my C tier. Some very powerful stuff in like a third of the matchups. Like if you're playing at someone who's trying to attack you and they don't have big attacks in their deck, your clash cards, you're trouncing them, your test of strength in them, getting gold, drawing extra cards. Then you play your spinal crush after blocking with three cards, and then you, they're just like, "What are you doing? That's not that's not there." And you kill them. But all the other decks, you just don't. You can't. You can't. You don't have space for answers to. Basically, to play against decks with Dominate, like Bravo and Azalea, then you need D-Reacts. And to play against decks that are trying to block against you and not really trying to hit you, like Saber's Combo or Kano or something like that, then you need offensive pressure. And you can't really fit all this stuff in your deck and still do the defensive stuff. And even if you could, you're just doing the other things worse than Bravo if your Clash cards aren't good. Yeah, continuing the theme of why play this hero when there are better options available, Victor checks all those same boxes for me as well. So don't disagree. Some people have them all the way up in like S tier. And I'm like, how? How does Victor ever beat like a deck like Levia, for instance, or like decks that can like set up or really like produce way above rate numbers? I feel like if you're just playing against average people who don't know how to beat these fatigue blocky strategies. Sure. I can see how you could think that Victor was S tier, but there should be decks that you're playing against that are capable of like even slab dash. I don't know how Victor ever beat slab dash. Like there are decks that are just going to be able to go longer with better value or set up turns that are just so far and above away his blocking value that like, it doesn't matter anyways. Yeah. I think if the world that we're living in is dominated by warriors and non-dominate rangers. So not Azalea, but other rangers, maybe Lexi, like a Lexi type of hero, or if somehow Riptide was good. I think those are the kind of decks that Victor wants to play against. Black cards would have been really good against Lexi. Yeah, yeah. I I think Victor would have been like a reasonable choice in a Lexi world. But that's not the world we live in right now. And even if it was, the warriors might even still be able to just change into other plans. Like, if they're great axing you, your stuff isn't looking very good. If they're sabers comboing you, your stuff's not looking very good. So 
It's, it's just like, as long as they're not just attacking you and turning on your block cards, you're going to struggle. For sure. I got two more heroes left in C tier. One of them will finish finish the book of why play this hero when there are better options available. Finally close this book nice and shut. Is it Katsu? It's Kasai. Oh, huh. Okay. I just Go don't on. know why you would play Kasai over Dorinthia or Bolton. I just don't see it. I don't think the warrior payoff is like consist the self short self short i've had a problem with my s's ever since like kindergarten so so you have to bear with me sometimes Uh, sell sword thank you okay we did it roger kindergarten roger's proud of you sell swords um where if that payoff just seems worse to me still than like dawnblade counters or lumina ascension combo and then it's once again why why are we playing this hero yeah, I, I think that's a fair take. I don't think Kasai's specialization is that strong. And due to her hero power, you have to put a decent number of yellows in her deck. So I think in order for it to be right to play Kasai, you need to be getting a lot of value out of this line of text that says your sword attacks cost one less if you've drawn a card. And I was looking through the card pool trying to find all the cards that draw cards and have go again. There's not that many of them. Yeah, <laughs> did you know it's hard to draw cards in Flesh and Blood, Michael? It, it is, it is. I, I didn't know that. So... I think that's I, I put I put Kasai a lot higher up than that. I put her in the middle of B tier because I think if I, I don't know if the cards exist, but if someone can find the right combination of things to do the thing, I think it could be very strong. Yeah. And I played against Kasai five times against Bolton and I'm four and one. And the first time I played against Kasai, I went for a double Lumina combo on Sabres. It wasn't good enough. She has a lot of non-attack actions. She's still playing defense reactions. She's got armor. Double Lumina Ascension was able to push through like 10 damage and get me like four cards in soul. She was still chilling over there, like 25 life. I was over there at 12. Not a close game. I was dead. Not a good game. And I was like, wait a second. Why don't we just wait? Why don't we just keep double Lumina, the double Lumina, and just wait to draw the third and triple Lumina? Let's just sit here and make her kill me while I'm blocking her a bunch. Mm-hmm. And just because it's not like I'm super pressured most of the time, as long as I'm like just trying to block most of the time. And then I proceeded to implement the triple Lumina plan four times in a row against Kasai's. And yeah, they have they have no real disruption. They're numbers. Kasai is still just a numbers deck. And it's like, she'll play commanding presence. You can't, if you block me with an attack action, then you... Uh, I'll blow up your Luminous Engine Arsenal. I'll go like, okay, I'll take five. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> okay, I'm at I'm at thir- I'm at twenty five. Okay, my turn. I play Engulfing Light, charging this other random card, keeping Luminous Engine in my arsenal in hand. Draw three cards or three more cards. Oh look, a third Luminous Engine. I win the game because they can't beat three. No, decks are still. Stone cold to triple luminous engine if you pull it off right. So, yeah, and I think I thought there would be a lot of power in being able to consistently turn on nourishing emptiness with our hero power, but ultimately, a lot of decks have a lot of, or most decks that are good right now. We'll, we'll see as we go up the list. Like they all have a bunch of armor, so your nourishing emptiness isn't great, and a lot of them want dereacts against you anyway. So they're just like sitting on a dereacting arsenal half the time. Mm-hmm. So. I think that she has some pretty big problems to overcome, but some of the warrior cards are really strong, and I think there could be something there. So I put her higher up. 
the most egregious tier list I saw was the Runaways. I'm calling them out. They put Kasai over Bolton. And I was like, in what world is Kasai ever better like than Bolton? I don't I don't understand. Bolton has a talent. He has a better card pool. He has we'll, we'll get to sorry, I shouldn't let's get ahead of myself. Kasai, C tier, last C tier hero, Uzuri. There we go. We'll just we'll move on to Uzuri. Uh she has some disruption things. She gets some cool swappy do things. She's Uzuri. That's all I have yeah. to say about it. I, I think in my opinion, Uzuri is kind of like reasonably better than the other C tier heroes where if the metagame is really focused, Uzuri has the tools to like fight against most decks in the format. Just you have to know what you want to be fighting so you can play your cards that are good for it. Like your humbles or race faces or amnesia, or there's a bunch of different six power things that which ones you want depend a lot on which heroes are good because you're, you're obviously maxed on command and conquers and you're maxed on shakedowns and you're maxed on red death touches but like you need more swap targets than that and which ones are good depends a lot on what's good in the format yep i agree so i do think that if you know if somehow you knew the format was going to be 100 percent x hero then you could vote an Uzri deck that's probably good against it okay. for most heroes i don't disagree but i think finding that build's incredibly hard and not going to be a consistent thing that happens in metagames so i'm pretty confident in her c tier Okay, I put her bottom of B. There we go. Okay, let's get to B tier then. Bottom of B tier, you had Uzri. Who's next up in your B tier then? Katsu. So Katsu would have been in my C tier because Katsu is just like not very good. Kadachi still suck. It's still 2024 now. Kadachi's not great. Uh, but but he got this new blue. And one of Katsu's biggest issues were you didn't want to play very many blues. All your blues sucked. You wanted to pl- play. Red attacks, but you also have to play three to six surging strikes, and surging strike costs two. And you don't want to play hardened cross trap into the matchups that go really long, or you can, but then you just like run out of stuff and die. Yeah. So I think the new blue fixes or helps with Katsu's biggest problem, which sometimes you're going to draw two blues and not be able to block with your cards, and you can't really spend two blues if you don't have an art of war to banish one of them. So you got this new thing. It's like a mini art of war, draws you a card, beats here. Okay. I don't have a B tier. I have um close to the bottom of A tier, second from bottom at A tier. Okay. I think Maybe he I, he was all over the tables in Cincinnati. He was doing really well. He there were there was one or two Katsus in the top eight of Cincinnati. And he's been putting up pretty consistent results in tournaments over the past few months. Uh sure Fi won the championship, but I think Katsu has slowly been breaking out of Fi's shadow. And I think the new blue is very good. And I think it will show, I think he was already like what I would consider a B tier deck. And I think the new blue has the potential to break him into a tier, um, but we'll see. Yeah. I, I think, I guess one other thing that I think Kotz is going to struggle with is he used to be pretty good in the brutes because they weren't that great at blocking. They ran gamblers gloves instead of blocking gloves. But now that they got the the blocking gloves, I think that matchup's pretty bad for Katsu. They have Scowling, Fleshbag, and then two ticks of block on their legs and arms now to kind of shut down his mask and stuff. And I think he's just going to lose their lose to Brutes now, whereas before I think that matchup was reasonable. If the Brutes are using their armor to shut down mask, that leaves them cold to Dishonor lines, potentially. And KO getting Dishonored is a nightmare for him, right? No more blue sixes. No more might tokens. Now yeah, you're just but- a strictly worse Rhinar. 
Where if you dishonor Reinar, he's the same hero. <laughs> that 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 is fair. Uh, I I just think that you don't get the full dishonor line very often against people that are just blocking you. So I I don't know. I've, is is Ko just blocking? He, he can. He's got a bunch of armor. Okay. Guess, so we'll have to play some uh, Ko v Katsu games and see how it goes. Yeah, I, I'm just not a Katsu believer, but I guess. I, I've mostly played Bravo against Katsu, and yeah, that matchups like Katsu's worst matchups. I, I would see why you would think Katsu is worse when you are playing Bravo because you just put a big dumb attack out there, and Katsu's like, "Well, I can either not die, or I could not play the game." Those don't seem like very good options for Katsu. Yeah, and he also couldn't beat Old Time at all back in the day well, that was also because of crown of seeds days. like he could ne- he could never dream of, of feeding crown of seeds that's for sure yeah so i don't know okay bottom of my tier dashio okay she's just a good old aggro pew pew beat him up punch him deck bottom b tier that's all i really have to say about dashio yeah i i think Dashio has some good results and definitely didn't get better in the last set. Probably reasonably worse between the the new hat that can draw a card if you're if if your opponent's drawn two cards and Dash wants to, Dashio wants to play multiple Toma Dolls, so it's turned on against her. And she's still vulnerable to fatigue because people can just block. But I think she's a pretty powerful deck. I put her in the middle of B tier. Um, yeah, just really efficient. She very consistently has significantly above rate turns. I think one of the more, I don't want to say more consistent, but like if you look at five to a five turn game with her, like she's going to have a 20 damage turn in that game. Every game. Sure. I just realized something about B tier as I was looking at my tier list now. And as you're talking about Dashio, every single hero, I have four heroes in B tier and I would all consider them just to be like numbers. They are just good at dealing damage at like varying degrees of efficiency and they are good at numbers and i don't think they're good at very much else and i think that's why i put them in b tier they, they are they have good above rate numbers and i don't think they do anything particularly special besides from numbers your b tier is very different from my b tier okay well who's next on your b tier then i have kano kano is also a numbers deck how is kano disrupting you He's just doing different kinds of numbers. He's doing special magical <laughs> numbers. He's doing okay. weird numbers, you know, all over the place. But they're still just numbers, man, you know? Yeah. So Kano's kind of proven that if people don't respect him, he can win a tournament still. So yeah, he's, can't put him below B tier. He's right above Dashio for me. So can't agree more. He's right below Dashio for me. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Right next to each other. Who do you got next then? Uh, then I have Kasai, which we already talked about. And then my last hero at the top of B tier is Dorinthia. Oh, my last hero at the top of B tier is Dorinthia as well. Okay. I don't I don't know if I'd call her a numbers deck. She kind of plays this weird game where you like have to block her out so if you don't turn on her go again and her hero power, but then if you block her out, she punishes you. She's just with like numbers. With numbers and with with recurring numbers on her Dawnblade. Mm-hmm. If she's on Dawnblade. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, she got some new cards. They definitely helped. I think Lead with Speed and Blade Flurry are both very good, and there might be some other stuff. But yeah, new hero. Or not new hero, old hero. 
new cards. Yeah. I almost put same, her a little bit higher. Episode. She got some cool new stuff, but at the end of the day, like I said, if all I feel like you're doing or are capable of doing is numbers, I think every single hero we will start talking about in A and S tier has divergent and unique strategies that are capable of just beating your numbers if given the opportunity to. So uh, she it was capped at B tier, along with a hero that I'm shocked isn't in your B tier, Phi. How is Phi not a numbers deck? He won worlds. You can't be in B tier if you win worlds. Sure he can. <laughs> uh, I I wouldn't be shocked if Dorinthia won worlds. I don't think but like so like B tier, I don't think it's like unplayable. I just think it's like you things have to really line up your way. You have to really crush your drafts and have some matchups line up for you but like overall and like i think there are still issues with the deck fundamentally and i think that was true during worlds and i think it's true now yeah i i think in my opinion Fi is really strong at playing like a bunch of different hand sizes his two card hands are usually seven damage his five card hands are like 16 damage a lot of the time like he's good at getting value out of however many cards he needs to and he has a lot of three blocks i think in my opinion Fi is just like He's like a Katsu that doesn't need his on hits to do big turns. He does he does the same big turns as Katsu, but if you block him out, he's still getting all of his damage and he's better at blocking than Katsu. And he has better equipment. So I was about to say uh, he didn't get anything new from the set, but I, he did technically. The tenacity, tenacity. Yeah, tenacity is, is pretty is a pretty good punisher for the end of change. So yeah, I guess that is a small upgrade, but I don't know. I just feel like Phi has some really bad matchups. I guess like your aggressive Bravo deck beats up five pretty good, right? I imagine if you're just like pummeling and stunt and like crippling him, then he just kind of rolls over a lot of the time, right? Yeah, I, I think it's slightly Bravo favored, but not significantly so. And okay. the the biggest reason that I put Phi in A tier is I think he's actually favored against what I think is the best hero in the game right now. Interesting. Okay. All right. Well, then let's move on to A tier then. <laughs> All right. Bottom of A tier, I have Dash Inventor Extraordinaire. Okay, she is second from the top in my A tier of my five heroes. Okay, Th- this hero is like, I feel like she's so overrated. <laughs> I think that she loses the, like, sorry. So there's like the two different builds. There's like the hybrid build that like sideboards the whole pistol package. But I think that deck doesn't even like, like you cyborg like 10 cards to try to be able to beat these decks like Bravo and then you just lose to it anyway most of the time. In my experience, I've seen I've seen and experienced that a lot. And I think that the boost package and your aggressive package just isn't I don't think it's favored against a lot of the other decks in the format too. And I think she's horrible into Bolton and probably the other warriors too. I don't know. I think if you're playing against Sabres as like any Sabres warrior as Dash, you're not happy. And then the new cards that punish blocking with attack actions. That's what Dash wants to do. She plays these bad yellow attack actions, like yellow, uh, yellow zero to 60, yellow zipper hit. And she wants to block with them most of the time because they're bad cards, unless she's high octaning or max velocity. And then they're like, well, if you block with attack actions, you get juiced. <laughs> so uh, I think the hero is just overall a little bit weak. I think the slab Dash is very bad against brutes and i expect it to be a brute meta going forward so okay but bottom of a tier yeah i just think her different game plans offer enough of a divergence and she still has 
some of the best numbers in the game when she wants to be a numbers deck and she has the alternate game plan of playing pistol dash or like tree frog dash or like these other different builds and that basically put her over the edge over the other vt heroes in my opinion because she's a numbers deck but has alternative different divergent interesting game plans that can still give you some percentages or some alternate win cons that the other decks don't really have access to so, so would you call it? Would you call Dash a numbers deck when she's on like the pistol package? I think that's almost like borderline like a fatigue deck. I think if you're playing like straight tree frog Dash, you're like a fatigue deck, right? Because you're just looking sure, to block yeah, yeah, yeah. most of the time. Yeah, so. I agree with that. Bottom A tier, I got Ko. We were just talking about Ko. I got I got Ko at bottom of A tier. I think he's doing some for the first time since I was playing Force of Nature, Channel Mount Heroic Briar. I felt like I was doing something fundamentally broken in the amount of cards and damage I was drawing in what in one turn when I pulled off this berserk combo. It was just like, oh, I draw a card and then here's another card and then I draw a card and here's another card and I draw. I think I presented <laughs> what like forty eight damage or something like that in that one turn. Yeah, yeah. In that, in that game, when you you had like a five card hand, you went berserk, blood rush, bellow, and then attacked me like six times or something. It was it was crazy. I just was not remotely close. I think. Yeah. Um, I think that the Berserk build of KO is strong. I think that there might be other builds that are also strong. I haven't put as much time into KO as I'll need to to figure them out, but I, I think the hero's definitely a, a contender, and he is the next in my A tier, right above five. Yeah. So, so I'm page. definitely looking forward to seeing how that deck develops. I could see him being even S tier if, like, there's there if you can really figure out and hone this build. And consistently and really figure out your matchup spread consistently, especially to decks like Azalea or Bravo or the decks that are looking to interact with you that's, that are going to try to prevent you from doing like these inherently really broken or go, go wide turns. If you can figure out those matchups, I think yeah, he could, he could be like one of like S tier decks. But I think that's the biggest thing that's holding me back from putting him higher at the moment then is just like, I don't know how he fares into heavy disruption, but we'll see. Yeah, makes sense. Who do you have next? Then I had Katsu. We already talked about him. And then right above Katsu, I have Dromai. And people hate Dromai now, dude. I never thought I, Roger Bodhi, would be the <laughs> defender of Dromai <laughs> not being unplayable. What a world we live in. I've seen Dromai in like D tier. People are like, oh yeah, KO is playable now. So that means Dromai is unplayable. She has no good matchups anymore. And it's like, are we talking about the same Dromai deck? Like, She's still very capable of just like steamrolling and just doing like very powerful things. Yeah, Droma is still good. I think her warrior matchups are amazing, and her Azalea matchup is still pretty good. That's an important thing. And her brute matchups, like, yes, they're disadvantaged, but they're not unwinnable. It's not like Oldheim versus Prism was, where you're just like, dang, I'm dead. It's like, a slightly unfavored matchup that you need a lot of practice in and you need to get lucky a couple times to win or play better than your opponent. Sure. It's fine. And both Ko and Leviah, who we'll get to, we haven't mentioned her yet, so I'm assuming she's pretty high on your list as well. Yeah. Uh, both of those decks, like, so Ko, all of his, or a lot of his sixes aren't sixes when they're not on the, or when they're on the combat chain. And when they're blocking a dragon, they're on the combat chain. So if it says five in the corner, then it's not going to pop the dragon, even though it was a six in your hand for discarding purposes. Right, yeah. KO actually has less poppers than you would think. And then also like Bear Fangs and Wild Ride aren't poppers because they can't block, so. Yeah, exactly. Agreed. Yeah, I think 
she'll see a good amount of play. I have learned at this point in my life, even if she were unplayable, she would still be like 5 to 10% of the meta anyways. <laughs> Mara Ferris isn't going anywhere, baby. She's still going to be a pro tour. She's still going to be at all the battle hearts and callings. Dromai's going to be a force to uh, reckon with for Telshi Living Legends at this point, and I just don't see that changing. Yeah, which will probably be uh, sometime within this year. I guess we'll have to see. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I we'll have one hero show. left in my A tier. Who, do you have any left in A tier? I have two. Oh, because okay. You I only have two S tier heroes. I have three S tier heroes. So you you go, okay. you, you finish your A tier. All right. Next in my A tier, second place in A tier is Bolton. Okay. He's a good guy. He's got some good tools. I think he's the best warrior right now. Not positive, but I think he is. He just has access to Saber's combo, which is really good. I think Raiden's really powerful. He's not dead to clashes because he plays more attacks than the other warriors. And you could probably talk about Bolton a lot better than me, but there's a lot, there's a lot going on. There's a lot to like there in Bolton. Uh, Soul Shield's a really, really, really good card. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't met the best hero in the game. I am I'm the top <laughs> of S tier. Surprise. He's the hero I will be registering at PTLA. And I think it is Bolton's time to shine. I feel like everybody's looking at all the warrior cards and be like, oh yeah, all these cards are really good with Dawnblade. Like you can attack with your weapons. Completely overlooking the fact that they say warrior attack. So all of your engulfing lights, all of your beacons, are not beacons, uh bolt of courageous, all of your take flights, all of your via the vanguards, all of your raidens. It affects all these pumps affect all of your warrior cards. Every single one of them. If you commanding presence into Bolt of Courage, you could either against certain decks, it's either like, okay, you could either destroy your arsenal or let me draw a card and I get go again. And it's like that's very, very, very powerful. And that's and then that lets you play wider into Raiden strategies. And then I just think the deck has if if I if you could play a hundred cards. I think it would be the best deck not close because then you could play great axe builds. You can play like all three different weapon combinations in it. The biggest issue I have with him is that I need to pick two out of three in the builds. You you can either play Raiden and Sabres or you can play great axe and uh, Sabres. I don't think you can play Raiden and great axe. That doesn't really make sense. But uh, (laughs) One deck wants very few blues. One deck wants a lot of blues. Yeah, or... Additionally, you could just be linearly one, 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 but I think you just kind of are a worse deck whenever you just focus on one specific build of it. You kind of lose equity somewhere else down the line. And basically, the decision I'm just going to have to make between now and PTLA is where do I think the metagame is going to go? And what matchups do I want to be cold into? And what matchups do I want to have like uh, very, very positive win rate matchups into? Because if I want to beat Azalea, Bolton could beat Azalea. If I want to beat Dromai, I could beat Dromai. Because now there's a million seven, six, and seven power, even at yellow, poppers that I could play with attack actions and like in a Raiden build. There's just so many different options and angles for this hero that I think people are just not seeing that it's insane to me. And I don't I think he has a deck configuration. He has an 80 card build that would be favored knowing what hero I was about to play next to the next matchup. I just have to figure out how to build it so that I can build a better speed the best spread of heroes, basically. So that's why I have him as the best hero in the game. So you think, you think great axe is real? A hundred percent. I was having a lot of success uh, uh, with great axe in the 
off season what's Lexi out when, when you were all prepping for worlds and stuff like that I was over <laughs> in uh, not paying attention to my law school classes playing <laughs> great axe Bolton as my professor lectured on about whatever whatever was talking about and sorry not my professor some person who like barely read the case materials is like oh I think the case was about this it's like the case was not about this I don't understand and then they have to sit there and debate what the case was not about for 30 minutes Fuck the Socratic method, dude. Anyways, uh, and the Great X build was crushing it. I had two big issues with the deck: um, Dromai and Fi. And I think I could even get it to a spot where like I'm reasonable into Fi. But I don't think Drom. I, I think you, if your opponent presents Dromai and you're on Great X, just just pick up your cards and walk away. There, you have you have actual zero percent chance of winning that game. Um, but just the amount of packages and the ability to go long with that deck just beats every other deck if given time just because of how good Great Axe is turn over turn. And now there's a million more pumps for it. That was one of the big issues with Great Axe too was like, oh, there's only like four cards in the game that pump axes when I was building it. So you got like Sharpen Steel and Cleave and, and Spill Blood and it's like, okay, or and Felling Swing. It's like, okay, all these are kind of mopey. And now you have all, like you just got an entire set of cards that say, you know this card that's really hard to block? You can wage on this now. And it's like, that seems sick. Sure, sure. So, I don't know. I'm a Bolton fanboy, though. I'm a crazy person. Everybody else just... In fact, everybody else who's listening to the podcast, he's actually bottom of D tier. He's actually the worst tier. Don't, don't listen to me. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just a Bolton fanboy. He's... Kasai is better than Bolton, Michael. You know, Kasai, she makes the cell swords. You know, you could go pew, pew, pew. How does Bolton ever beat that? He can't. So... Never mind. I was I was drunk for the past ten minutes. <laughs> okay. I'm ready. Right. I'm ready to move on. Who's who's in your top of A tier? Your fourth place hero? Uh yeah, Azalea. Oh. I think she's really she's really good. She she is super good into a lot of the aggro decks. She just got a cool new specialization. She provides a very powerful and consistent proactive strategy. Uh, sometimes it can stumble and bumble if you kind of draw the all arrow hand or the all not attack action hand. She's vulnerable to that, but all decks have their bad draws. And um, she is still struggling into Warmonger's Diplomacy if that ever becomes a big significant part of the game again. And I think there are builds of, Bol- of uh, Bolton and... I guess we both have Bravo and Levy as our top three three decks. Uh, spoilers at this point. I think there are builds that all solidly beat Azalea pretty handedly. Yeah, that, that's fair. I, I think you have to... I actually put Azalea as the best hero in the game because if you're trying to play Flesh and Blood, you're behind against Azalea. You have to like go way out of your way to target her playing. Warmonger's playing, D-Reacts playing, Oasis Respite. Um, it's just... on In terms of numbers, Azalea does the best numbers. Plus Maybe disruption. Plus disruption. But she has very, very good numbers, and then she also has evasion and disruption on top of having some of the best numbers. So, I put I put her as the best hero in the game. Uh, I think her biggest weakness, same as Lexi's, her armor sucks. She can't block very well, but she does get a lot of utility out of it with like the cross wrap and stuff. But it doesn't block very well. That's yeah. She basically... she plays very poorly on the back foot. Yeah. Between, I think her only weaknesses really are warmongers and her armor not blocking very well. I think. Fatigue, you you can fatigue her if you're like super 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 committed to it, but she doesn't. She's not easy to fatigue. Um, 
harder to fatigue than Lexi was because she just has so much dominate. You just have to play a million D-Reacts to do it. True. And then who do you want to talk about next? Levia or Bravo? I have Bravo below Levia, so. Levia, sorry. Levia. 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 We've been saying Levia. Levia, sorry. Levia. That's how you pronounce Ethan it. Will be upset yeah, with us. I don't want to uh, piss off Mr. Mancia. So uh, let's talk about Levia. Well, right. she is just going to, I feel like, have you ever seen Carrion Husk? Have you ever seen what that card says, Michael? Yeah, I have played a lot of Carrion Husk in my life. Played it in Chain. You don't even get to turn off Blood Debt. And she gets that card. And then she got. All these sweet new brute cards. She puts herself in S tier. Yeah, I think her biggest weakness was I say this about a lot of heroes that I think are inconsistent and bad or weak is that their blue suite isn't the best and they need to play a lot of blues. The the new uh I don't know what it's called, the the ale, the, the alcohol one that gives a might and a jelly token. That's a really good blue. Um I think once Man, Sam found Tear Limb from Limb and popularized that card. That helped a lot with the blues. And then getting this new blue from the new set, uh, that just basically fixes what, in my opinion, was her biggest issue. And then the gloves are a huge upgrade in matchups that she's not rolling scapskins a lot. Yeah. So any matchup that she's happy to block with her hand, getting this basically three block gloves that if you're blocking with a six power thing, which is something Leviah wants to do anyway, she wants to get six powers in her discard she's also getting a value might token out of the deal she's just that's just a huge improvement for her and uh i think she was one of the best heroes in the game before the set came out and she got some notable upgrades in it so yeah i'm also interested to see if she'll find some packing like i think it could be an option for her in certain matchups especially the longer maybe more grindy matchups where she's looking to uh punish heroes that are like oh i'll wait for levy levia to present this really big on hit with my defense reaction in arsenal and then it's just like okay well here's my send packing and they're like oh i guess i gotta yeah. block this now and it's like okay so good brute cards she was already good brute s tier and then i feel like the story is similar for bravo where like he was a good brute or good guardian uh, he has brutish good looks, but uh, he he was a good guardian. He got some more guardian cards, but I really don't know if he's playing anything from the new set. So there's there's two real upgrades. So the the main one is there's a new blue six. Oh, the blue six. That's right. How so could I forget about that? Yeah. The the blue six just means he's going to be a little bit more consistent. Both his drama matchup got notably better. His prism matchups get still got or also got better, even though prism got new things. She also got kind of forced into more of a herald plan so she's even worse into him now um prism's not very good anyway it doesn't really matter that much but the main real improvement of that is your zealous beltings are going to be online a lot more often because you just have three more blue sixes and that's huge for his consistency that means his kano matchup his pistol dash matchup uh his mirror matchup actually <laughs> any matchup that you're trying to zealous belting people just he got a lot more consistent with getting three more blue sixes and then the other upgrade doesn't matter nearly as much. Uh, he got to replace Crater Fist with three block temper gloves that stop attack or nerf attack reactions. So uh, that the real the real spot that that actually helps is against Katsu. Is you mm, a lot of the times yeah. you want to block out their attacks for one over because of breaking scales. But now the two times that you're trying to play around breaking scales, you just throw your arms in there 
or maybe one of the times you would want to play around breaking scales. You throw the arms in there and it blanks breaking scales or blanks the first ancestral empowerment. Not that Bravo needed help in that matchup. The matchup was already very good for Bravo, but good luck, Katsu. Sorry. Yeah. This is a little inside baseball, but Michael and I have traveled a lot and we've talked about a lot of flesh of blood, uh, you know, in car rides and on airplanes and in hotel rooms late at night and in each other's homes and on Discord calls. And the amount of times I would say in the past eight months that we've like thought about playing Bravo, that we have said, man, if Bravo just had like three more blue sixes, I'd be all in on this deck. Like I feel like that was one of the most consistent things we sit where where our our critiques of Bravo in our like conversations over the past forever when we were talking about this deck was just like oh yeah he doesn't get mulch he doesn't get glacial footsteps oh he's just not like if he just had like those cards <laughs> like he'd be like really really good like just about as good as old high and then now he's he's halfway there he he just is missing only half the amount of blue sixes that old high got to play over him instead of double the amount. Yeah, and I think that honestly, you don't want too many attack actions because of like heroes like Bolton. Where he's he's, he's bottom of D tier. Don't worry about Bolton. <laughs> and even even the other warriors kind of punish you for blocking with attack actions now too. Um, so it's not too bad that you don't have the last three to round it out. You get to play like Imposing Showtime or Warmongers or Unmovables or something in those slots. So I think Bravo's in a good spot. If you're a Bravo gamer... He got, he got better, not as much better as some of the other heroes got, but he was already good. And now he's a little bit better. Okay. So one last real talk thing. So let's say you have, you have three heroes. Let's say a hero has like a 50, 50 spread into Azalea and is solidly favored into Bravo and Azalea. Why would that hero not be very good? Right. A 50, 50 spread into Azalea and solidly favored into Bravo and Azalea. And a Levia, sorry. I assume you're talking about Bolton right now. No, he's bottom of D tier. And and that's because the next hero right below him is a horrible matchup for him. That deck that's unplayable now, it's the bottom of the drum I Does second place in D tier that everybody else on tier list? Yeah. I I honestly think if Dromai didn't exist, I, I, I would probably be on board with Bolton being the best hero in the game. I think the Dromai matchup is really rough no matter what you do though. No, I think it's fine for Raiden. I think it's like sixty forty. I think it's slightly below 50-50, but I don't think... I've I've definitely beaten Dromai's with Raiden. Yeah, but I don't know what Dromai's you're playing against, but I find it hard. Like, if you, like you're going to... like I don't know, two months ago, Mara Flores joined the Wolfpack, and I was like, Mara, play some games of Dromai. I mean, and she was like, oh, beat her up? okay, I'll get right on that. And then she ghosted me, and I haven't played any games <laughs> against Mara Ferris since she joined the Wolfpack. And I was just like, oh, cool, I have this sweet new Dromai specialist. And it's just like, sure, I'm part-time pack. I'm not around as, as, as much, but it's just like, I don't know, dude. Just, I'm calling her out because she's ghosted me. Yeah, I, I think the biggest reason it's really challenging in my eyes is just that she has so many she she's very good at racing and then all of her non-attacks are gonna block for their full value. So you can block with your Aslides, you can block with your mirror guys, you can block with your chromides if you need to, depending on the game state. And she also generally runs a bunch of D reacts too, a bunch of zero for fours, which are quite good against Raiden. Yeah. I think what changed in the matchup that does that also made it better for Bolton is that if she's playing the Royal package, she does have some no blocks in her deck at the same time now where she didn't used to have those. And she's still running some amount of attack actions. Like she's still playing dust up. She's still playing ravenous rabbles. Like there are attacks in her deck 
that are there. So I don't, I, like I said, I don't think it's going to be consistent that everything lines up for you, but I do think if you have good, like if your, uh, Lumen Ascension Raid interns line up where she has like what, like her Tome hand or Ravenous Rabbles in her hand or stuff, things like that. She doesn't have good blocking armor still. Like she has like two hit, just the furnace, just the furnace. Like her hands can line up awkwardly into certain turn cycles of Bolton. And he is still an aggressive deck that still has nine snatches that kill dragons. So I don't know. I don't think it's that bad for Raiden. Bolton's still unplayable, so don't worry about it. (laughs) And I guess as a final note, though, so we've done a couple tier lists now at this point. We've been talking about this game for a little while. I think think the the difference in power level of, like, the top of S tier to even the bottom of D tier is the closest it's ever been between heroes since we've started playing the game. I don't think the power differential between, like, S and... That's why I was like, I wouldn't be surprised if a B tier hero won Worlds or something like that. Like, I don't think by any stretch of the imagination heroes are as polarized between the haves and haves nots anymore. I think everything kind of... Since the power level overall is flatter... I don't think the, the tier lists matter as much as they might have in the past. Mm-hmm. Like we're not in Lexi meta for sure anymore. It's not like we're looking at the best hero and it's just like, okay, well, what do you ever do against this? Sorry, go home. Like it's we're not there anymore. Yeah. I, I think most of the heroes that I put in S and A tier, I think if someone told me they thought that was the best hero in the game, I, I, I don't think I would argue with them about it. Maybe five dash just the bottom of a tier. I'd probably disagree with. Sure. Yeah. The the rest of the heroes are fine dash at the bottom of a tier on my list, but the rest of the heroes, I think, like the top five are all like they're all very good. And I, I do agree that there isn't a deck that's like leagues ahead of everything else. And everything feels much more targetable than the best decks of the past. Like Lexi, um, Old Oldheim, Icelander, Starvo, Chain, Starvo, Starvo especially, yeah. <laughs> um, Luminaris Prism. Yeah, the, a lot of those were like, what do you want to do against that hero? Oh, sorry, you can't. Go home. Bye. Yeah. And I think matchups are much less polarized too, which I really like. Outside of like Bravo Katsu. <laughs> <laughs> or or one, Bolton Max. One. Bolton Max is also... <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. Yeah, that, that's fair. That's fair. I think most matchups are are less polarized though and that's really really much more make, leads for the game being more enjoyable leads to the game being more enjoyable. hard agree and i think that's a but i guess oh, go ahead oh, go ahead no go ahead please i was gonna say i guess there are some heroes that have pretty polarized matchups but they're all bad because yeah i think <laughs> the hero with the most polarized matchup is the hero that i put is prism still where she can just dunk on some deck i think she's like the inverse of old prism where like if you're an aggro deck that doesn't have a lot of poppers she can just like come and beat you up randomly with like her bunch of heralds and if you're uh and if you're a guardian she just goes home and cries and never can beat you and it's just like it used to be the opposite for old prism <laughs> Prism. The guardians deserve to be able to beat up Prism. It's revenge for all the auras that the times that they were just staring down twenty auras and Prism was at like eighteen health, and they were like, a, just "Pack it up." Times have changed, but they're for the better, I would say. Mm-hmm. Any final thoughts, Michael? Heavy hitters is a really good set. LSS 
knocked this one out of the park. Even though some of the new heroes aren't very strong, that's fine. It's going to happen. I think like the card design is very good. The limited format is very good. I just really flesh and blood's in a good spot. I like it. Art agree. I was wondering if a set would ever make me feel passion for flesh and blood the same way Tales of Aria or like some of the original sets did. And I could confidently say Heavy Hitters has like reignited my interest in the game on a level that has I haven't felt in a, like in years now at this point. So uh, big fan of the set. Love it. Awesome. Cool. Well, the next time you're playing Heavy Hitters, whether that be limited or classic constructed, always remember, mind your manners. <laughs>